Well, once again, it's a very good morning, and it's great to be with you this morning as we consider the resurrection of Jesus. Uh, I want to invite you, we're going to be taking a look at some words from the Apostle Paul, and if you'd like to follow along, I want to invite you to do so. Uh, you can, certainly, they're not printed out in your service folder, but you can use your own Bible, and if you've got one of these cool white-blue ones in your row there, it's on page 933 if you'd like to see the words that, that Paul wrote there for yourself. We're going to be looking at 1 Corinthians chapter 15. We'll start with verse 19 and then go on from there if you want to follow along from the Apostle Paul. So I was, I have been, I've been working on a, a master's program, which is a, a graduate degree since about 2015 or so, 2016. Uh, if you know a master's program, it's supposed to take about two years, so I'm, I'm kind of quickly going for the longest master's ever, just say that. Uh, and, and, and it was looking real bad up until a couple months ago, because kind of on a whim, I submitted my project proposal that I was interested in to this really prominent New Testament scholar, and not only did he look at it, which surprised me all on its own, he not only looked at it, he, he read it, he considered it, he gave me great feedback on it, he even said he'd take me as a, a student possibly, and then on top of it he said, I will even reorganize my schedule because your project is something that I want to be involved in. And I thought, whoa! Now you can imagine, I've gotten more done on that project in the last three months than I have in the last five years. It's been great. What changed? One man gave me hope. Everybody can have hope. Everybody needs hope. Viktor Frankl wrote that, figured out that, uh, that people living in a Jewish concentration camp during World War II needed hope. Langdon Gilkey figured out that people in a Japanese war camp in China during World War II could have hope. Even Detroit Lions fans can have hope. Yes, maybe? No. There's no hope for Detroit Lions fans. No. 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 Today we're going to look at uh, a man, Apostle Paul, whose life changed even far more than mine. If you've ever wondered if Jesus really did rise from the dead, if, if Christianity is true, I would ask you to at least consider the Apostle Paul. Uh, the Apostle Paul was born as a Jewish man, uh, as a young boy. He moved a couple hundred miles to a different city, and he was raised as a Roman citizen. He was then educated by one of the most famous Jewish teachers of the time. Uh, and then finally, he got a job in a system that was very safe and stable and emotional, emotionally healthy, I should say, until he gave it all up. Then something changed, and he gave it all up. About the age 30, 35, he left it all behind. He devoted himself to 15 years of Christian mission work. He was finally arrested, and five years later, he was put to death. What changed? What made a man give up the best education, the best position in life, great attainment, good advancement opportunity for homelessness, joblessness, and poverty? What changed? One man gave him hope. That's what Jesus wants for you and I today. The resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, the Apostle Paul says, will change your life more than anything else. It will let you endure the worst things that you could possibly face. The Apostle Paul today wants you to get 
hope. And so let's get some hope. We're looking at 1 Corinthians chapter 15 here. If you've got a, a Bible, again, feel free to follow along. Paul puts it this way. He says here in uh, 1 Corinthians 15, the first thing that we need to have hope. He says, if only for this life we have hope in Christ, then we are of all people most to be pitied. Now, when I hear of that verse, that when, if only for this life we have hope in Christ, you know, what I think right away is, Yes, Paul, you're so right. People who don't believe Jesus gives them eternal life are to be pitied. Yeah, that's so pitiable. But then I realized I was studying it and I was reading it carefully. And I realized that's not what Paul says, is it? That's not what Paul says. But what does Paul say here, actually? Paul says this. He says, if only for this life we have hope. That's fascinating. We should have hope for this life first. Hope in this life comes first, and hope for whatever else comes only second. What's Paul saying here? Let's put it this way. Let, come with me to the grave for a minute. The, the first Easter tomb, the first Easter grave, the, uh, the women went out there very early in the morning. They expected to find the tomb closed up and the grave locked up. They got there. They didn't find Jesus. They didn't find the grave closed. They found an angel sitting there, and the angel said what to them? The angel said this, he said, he is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him, just as he told you. They didn't say, now you know you'll get to heaven. See, he's not here, you know you'll go to heaven. They didn't say, now you know you get to be with Jesus forever. They said, he is going ahead of you into Galilee. What's that saying? I don't know if any of you like uh, Lord of the Rings, any of you? Enjoy Lord of the Rings, Two Towers, all that good stuff. I, I kind of am a fan, Lord of the Rings, right? On the Two Towers, second book, second movie, if you've seen it, there's this scene, there's this one part where one nation has fled to a castle. It's a famous castle called Helm's Deep. They fled there because the enemy is rising up against them. They've surrounded this castle. They're marching on the castle, and they're going to destroy them. And, and the nation, the people hiding in the castle, they're outnumbered like a thousand to one. It's terrible odds. Everybody who is seven or eight or older has put on armor and, and put on weapons to fight in this battle. And there's this one 12 or 13-year-old boy who stands by a fire shivering. The future king is sitting just over on the side, and he, he calls this little boy over. And the little boy, the boy comes to him, and he says, the men say that we're not going to make it the night. They say it's hopeless. And the king puts his hands on his shoulders, and he looks the boy square in the face, and he says, there is always hope. The king's not saying... If we die, at least we get to go to a better place. What's he saying? The king is saying there is a power out there. There is a force out there. There is a God out there who is greater and stronger than you have ever imagined. There is a power out there who is coming to, to help us, to rescue us, to save us in this time. And, and if you've read the story, you know he's talking about this, this guy named Gandalf. And Gandalf will come. Salvation is coming. That's what the angel is saying to these people. That's what Paul is saying to these people. He's not saying, well, at least if you die, you'll get to go to a better place. He's saying, Jesus is back. 
He's on the move. Jesus is just getting started. We get to find out what he's been up to. We get to find out what he's doing next, and we get to be part of it. Can you imagine this? Can you handle this? If Easter is true, then the peasant has become the priest to help the peasants. If Easter is true, then the servant has become a lord to help all of the servants. If Easter is true, then the the slave has become the king to set slaves free. If Easter is true, then the traitor has become the teacher to teach all men what is really wise. And if Easter is true, then a man has become God so that you and I could know without a doubt that we are loved and accepted and forgiven. Can you handle if Easter is true? How do you fill in the blank? If Easter is true, then what do you need? Is it a homeless person? Then a homeless person has become the Lord of a great home so that we can have homes. Is it, if Easter is true, then a poor person has become rich so that we could never have any want? Is it, if Easter is true, then a sick person has become well has become the doctor so that we could be made well again how do you fill in the blank maybe take that home and fill in that blank yourself today because friends here's a a whole lot of people and i think probably some of us here have even said something like you know if i don't have any more money i don't know how i'll get on in life right i mean it's it's just a practical thing to say i need money to, to get on in life Friends, do you know that it was, it was money that put Jesus in the tomb, but money couldn't keep him there. Judas sold Jesus for money, but money didn't keep Jesus in the tomb. If you've got Jesus, you have got a value and a wealth that money can never buy. And, and friends, plenty of people have said to me, I don't know what I would do without my family. I don't think I can live without my family. I, I couldn't go on, but the family of Jesus stood by and they watched him get taken off that cross and put into that tomb. And the family of Jesus couldn't get Jesus out of that tomb. But if you've got Jesus, you've got a family that will never die. And we, plenty of us, have said things like, you know, I'm a pretty good person. I do good things. I pray and I care for the poor. I help those in need. It was good people who put Jesus on the cross. It was, it was the upright kind of people that you want as your neighbors. It was good people who put Jesus on the cross, but it was not good people. Good people couldn't get him out of the tomb. If you've got Jesus, you've got a greatness that beats every goodness. Because Easter means hope has human form. Easter means hope is human. It's taken on flesh and blood. Easter means real hope is a man. And you don't want to know how far this goes. You want to know how far this stretches, how much of humanity this encompasses. Paul goes on and he says this, and and you probably read these words when we heard them before. Paul says, But Christ has indeed been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. Let me tell you an illustration here. There's a famous illustration, and I I didn't come up with it. It's like 100 years old, so if you've heard it before, just pretend that it's the first time, okay? Thanks, good. All right, so it goes like this. You've got to imagine a string of, of climbers, of mountain climbers, all connected together by a rope. Right? They're climbing safely. They're supposed to be holding up, one, helping out and holding one another up. The one man, though, on the far end of the rope, he slips, 
and he falls. He plunges down into the abyss. And you can hear him shriek. You can hear him scream his, his scream as he's falling down. And then you can imagine what happens next. He falls, and then what happens? The next man slips, right? And he, gets fall, he falls too. He gets pulled down by the first man. He's pulled down into the abyss. And then one by one, with ever greater rapidity, rapidly, rapidly, they all fall down. They're pulled off down into the abyss, sinking down one into, after the next. And then until only one man is left, they've all fallen down into the great chasm. That one man, he's the only one left. He knows what's coming, and so what does he do? What does he do? He takes his axe, and with a mighty swing, he strikes it into the side of the mountain, and then he holds on for dear life because he knows what's coming next, right? The rope gets snaps tight, and it, it crushes him. It crushes tight around him. It wraps him all up. It, it flies through his fingers so fast that it rips off his skin. The, the weight of all of their fallenness, the weight of all of their brokenness, the weight of all of their evil, it's just dragging him down, and it crushes him, but he will not, he will not fall off the side of the mountain. Right? What's the illustration? The illustration goes like this, right? That there was, there was the one man, the first human being named Adam. He fell into sin. Because Adam fell into sin, then we, part of this human web of connectedness, right? Adam has dragged all of the rest of us down. With our human natures, we are aggravating one another. We fight and we claw and we bite and we needed one man, one human being connected to the web of, of humanity who did not have that fallen nature to fall down. Jesus Christ was that one. He was the only one who did not fall off the mountain. He stood his ground. He stood firm. And because he fell, stood firm, right, he is our, our representative. He is our substitute. He's the one who stood in our place. He's the one who stopped the fallenness from destroying all of us. You see, this is what Paul is saying. Paul says he is the first fruits of those who fall, have fallen asleep. The first fruits are the first apples that come in the harvest. They're the first grapes that come in the harvest. They're the first wheat that comes in the harvest. And, and it's the proof that the ground from the winter is not dead and frozen. It's the proof that the torrential rains of the spring have not killed the crop. It's the proof that the heat of the summer has not dried everything out. It's the proof that the, that the mold and the bites and the wind have not won. The first fruit is the proof that somebody else has won. And there's a long string of life coming after it. We, you know, you and I, right? We're all connected to one another naturally. And we, we do, we drag each other down with our aggravating and our fighting and our, 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 our ignorance. But when we are, the moment we believe in Jesus, when we believe in Jesus, the moment you believe in Jesus, you're connected spiritually to him. And, and at that moment, all of your fallenness and your brokenness, it, it gets transferred to him. And, and all of his victory and his eternal life and his goodness, it gets transferred to you, right? You've got a spiritual rope connecting you. That's what happens at the moment you believe. 
And then from that moment on, his life drags you on into glory. His life drags you on into a new life. And I, and I think then as people who are getting dragged into this new life, we've all got to say, we're going to have to say something like this, right? You say, I'm okay with dying. I'm ready to die. I, I know I've already fallen off the cliff. I, I've fallen as far as I can go. If, if I die, hey, that's okay. I'm, I'm ready for it. I don't want to die, but I'm okay. Because I have the life of Jesus. I have his life. And I know that even if I die, I will live. I will live forever to see Jesus. And that's going to mean different things for different ones of people among us. Right? Some people are going to make one choice with their lives. Some people are going to wear masks and act one way, and other people are going to not wear masks and act a different way, and that's okay. We're all going to make our own different choices there. But the one thing that we are never going to do, we're never going to give up the hope. We're never going to give up the spiritual connection to the one who makes us alive. We're never going to give up the worship and the prayer and the celebration together of his new life. We are never going to give up hope. Because Easter means hope is human. So have some hope, my friends. Just have some hope. I don't mean that in a way to say, look down deep inside you and find the hope, because I don't think that really works. There's a, a great professor, we don't need to talk about it long right now, but there's a great professor named Andrew DeBlanco who talks about and says, in American time, and you can maybe see this in your own life, in American time, there was a time period where Americans looked to religion to get hope, and then they looked to their families to get hope, and now we just look within ourselves and we get hope, and, and I don't think any of that works. I'm saying to you, really, these hands have hope. Have some hope. Look at these Easter hands that have hope. We've got some cupcakes out there that have hands on them, these nail-pierced, scarred hands. And these hands give hope. You take one of those home, maybe you eat it yourself. Maybe even a better thing is take one home and give it to somebody in your life who needs some hope. Who do you know that needs some hope? Can you, can you pass on these hands that give hope to somebody else? Because these are hands, human hands of hope. Let's pray. Lord, when we think about the people around us, friends, family, neighbors, we know how many are, are hurting. We know that the web of human connectedness, we're aggravating each other, we're ignoring each other, we're dragging each other down. It stinks, Lord. It's awful. It hurts. And so we pray that as you rise, you would be the first fruits of a new life, Drag us together after you into new life. May we enjoy the spiritual connection that we have to one another and walk into new hope. Give us some hope this, this Easter, Lord. Give us some hope this new year. For your hands have hope. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.